But, and Hunter, I, you've been, I wish I could shake your hand. <laughs> first impressions, huh? I, first I want, no, I need to tell you what a tremendous influence your work had, you know, drifting through my, my life, not knowing anything than a baby, afraid to admit I don't know anything more than a little baby. And you, in your work, to come along and you say, yes, it's okay, yes, it's true, it's true, and don't pretend, and that that will set you free. <laughs> whoa, whoa. I was one. Thank you. Has he been frisked? Yes. Ah! Uh -huh. Hey, hey, we've got your attention now. There are two things that people do that rub me wrong. One is lying, and the other is fucking with my women. Not lying, sir. What? Not lying, sir. You're fucking with my things, my things. Now, that girl has a low self-image. She's easily manipulated. What makes you think that she won't tell me, huh? Oh, yeah. Everything. <laughs> I slept with her. You did? That's it. That's all. That's it. I mean, he just screwed her. That's it. That's, that's all. That's it. That's all. I just, we slept together. We slept. Oh, no, he's babbling. No, no, no just in the same bed to test myself, like Daniel Strong does. Like who? Daniel Strong. Daniel Strong. Daniel Strong! You read that? Oh, yeah. My little offering? <clears throat> well, where are you from? I am a movie producer. I came here from Florida. I, can we discuss business? Huh? Can we just discuss business? I have a business proposition for you. I would like to discuss business with you right now, please. Known as Cinema 9 Podcast. I'm Michael Gobiase Travis, and it's Eric, and we're doing Cinema 9. It's a show about films and movies, and it's all three of us. It's the first time we've had all three of us since when, Travis? Uh, two months, two and a half months. Two weeks. Which has been like, what, three episodes at the, at the rate we've been going? It's been a bumpy ride of late. <laughs> two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. <laughs> it's been longer than two weeks. Two weeks. But. Uh, anyways, we're here. We're excited. And uh, we got, you know, Travis, you want to enlighten people about how we stuck with the film that you chose last week, but yeah. there was some discussion last night of a late change. Almost, but, um, <laughs> <For sure. laughs> uh, you know, not since not since The Good Girl have we butted up against this problem where we picked a, a movie and then the movie is not actually available for anyone to watch unless you go through other means. And uh, yeah, I got fucked on to live and die in L.A. It fucked me. Oh, best boy. That's right. That happened there, too. But we actually did the episode of Good Girl, I guess, like we're doing this episode, I guess, is where I was going with that, which it's always a bummer when that happens. Um, when we when I came up with the idea to do this show last episode, I looked on on my phone on the Roku app and there, sure enough, it was like available on for rental on Amazon for two ninety nine, and And then you go to rent it and it's some fucking shit action movie that came out from like, you know. 20 years before or something like that. 
Oh. Search and Destroy, it turns out there's like, you know, seven movies with that title, but only one with John Turturro in a wig. So um, that's the <laughs> one we're, that's the one we're here to talk about. Let's compare All Rotten right. scores at the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I won't reveal what Travis had switched to. We'll keep that a secret. That'll come up eventually. We'll keep, that, we'll keep it under wraps. You want to get behind the scenes with us. Uh, just send us a text. We're happy to talk about stuff. We have a Anyways. Discord. We have a Discord, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> we <get it>. Yeah. <laughs> we do. Technically, we do. Uh, we have uh, Dave Horning as a member. Thanks, Dave, for being our sole member of the Discord. <laughs> we also have an email, cinnamonipod at gmail.com. You can send us an email, just like this guy, Joe Lowry, who sent us an email. Hi, Hi Cinnamonine crew. Hey, Joe. I started listening to the Cinnamonine pod a couple months ago and have started jumping around previous episodes for movies I've seen before. True Romance, episode one. Gosh. Wow. I wonder what wonder what that thing sounds we, like. We were such tiny uh, babes. I know. babes. In diapers. Who knows diapers. what the format was? Pod I mean, diapers. I, I was using my phone to record on. I do I do know that, so it sounded like shit. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I gave my was thoughts there, to be a smoke signal. <laughs> pod terror? Was there pod terror in episode one? There had to have been. Always. I'm sure. <laughs> Caught my eyes, and I was excited to hear it as it was a top 10 movie for me in my 20s. Nice. But I haven't watched it in at least a decade. Anyways, as you guys were discussing Tarantino-written movies but directed by others, From Dust Till Dawn was brought up. Mike's comment was basically that he went to the theater to see it and how disappointed he was. I immediately thought about how that was my exact same experience. I was burned the year before by going and watching Four Rooms in the theater. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And the only reason I went to see From Dust Till Dawn was Robert Rodriguez. At that time, I was a fan because I loved watching El Mariachi in high school Spanish classes. Really? High school Spanish classes. Good for you. It's a cool Spanish teacher. Would you show El Mariachi in your classes, Travis? No. I don't, th- I don't <laughs> teach Spanish, though. No, but just forget that. I, I don't think there's any context where it would be acceptable anyways. Uh-huh. I showed violent, it to my right? third graders a couple of weeks ago. They hated it. <laughs> I feel like if I show The Revenant, I could show pretty much anything to my students. <laughs> oh, okay. Fair point. Uh, two in a row bad Tarantino flicks in a row was almost too much. Mm. But fortunately, he's had more than... He's had more hits than misses since then. How yeah. many bad films from directors, writers that you previously enjoyed will you endure before you give oh. up on future yeah. films? Or will you always yeah. let each film stand on its own merit? And are there directors or writers that you previously enjoyed who you've given up on? Thanks, Joe Lowry. Thanks, Joe. I, this questions. is ringing a huge bell for me. Like, this is no contest here for me. Like, uh, Robert Zemeckis, it, it's over. It's over. We're talking about one of the titans, the all-time titans, Back to the Future, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Contact, Forrest Gump, hit after hit after hit after hit. And I went, I was looking around on IMDb like a couple weeks ago. Disaster after disaster after disaster after disaster. His like last eight films have been fucking unacceptable. I think I can raise you wow. one. Wow. I, I got three words for you. Francis Ford Coppola. Have you seen Woo! any of the shit he's done like the past like fifteen years? I'd rather watch paint dry. It's it's yeah. unwatchable. No, I haven't. I haven't. It's, but it's always like, oh yeah, he can do what he wants to. I mean, it's the, 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 well, exactly. So you you think like, oh, this is one of the masters of the craft. Surely he won't no. phone it the fuck in. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. I think the rain. Like I love the Rainmaker. And yeah, that, that was great. Was like that was nineteen ninety seven, friend. Yeah. Oh, yeah that was twenty six okay. years ago. Yeah. yeah, that's a tricky one. We got Megalopolis finally coming out. This could be the straw that broke the camel's back. I'm gonna watch <laughs> it for up for you know, despite I mean I wouldn't watch it if it wasn't like the one that he'd push for, but I'm also like thinking it's gonna be a shit show. Oh, I'm not God, seeing it yeah. in theaters. Huge you know? waste of money, I guarantee it. Oh <laughs> colossal waste of his fortune. <laughs> oh man. Well, Joe had a quick follow up to his own email. I forgot to mention, <laughs> since I threw out the question and didn't opine on it. For the directors, writers that I previously enjoyed that I've given up on for myself, it's probably an unpopular opinion, and I haven't checked out any episodes yet you may have done on his films. Oh, actually, there might be some agreement on this one. Not for me, but uh, but this is Wes Anderson for me. Yeah. Dude, I've had access to Asteroid City for like yeah. oh. a month, and I just like, because it's on Peacock, and ah. I'm just like, I keep on being like, meh. Still, I'm still burned by friends' dispatch. Dude, do you think you would have done that like 10 years ago? I can't I'd imagine been, doing that. Opening night, view, appointment viewing. But after French yeah. dispatch, it's over. I don't give a fuck. And he's got one on no. Netflix next month, live action. 
Fuck yeah. that. I love French Dispatch. These guys don't like it, but I really enjoyed French Horrible. Dispatch. And for me, he's still appointment viewing. Although, <laughs> life is so busy. Who knows? You can't be appointment viewing for anything because society's got issues. But yeah, uh, And Joe says, I loved Rushmore when I first saw it, but I haven't revisited it. And after each subsequent movie, I got more and more uninterested in watching any of his films, regardless of the buzz surrounding them. I'm guessing that if I go back and watch Rushmore, I probably feel like it doesn't hold up for me. I don't know if that's true at all, but I mean, that's a classic, I think. Yeah, it's a great film. But I still love Wes Anderson. I don't like his cartoony movies, but I love his live actions. And I think Moonrise Kingdom and Grand Budapest was nine years ago. It was an incredible film. Still got it. He still got it. You still got it. All right, let's get a core TV viewing picks then. Travis, give it to us. Uh, I watched a few films. Uh, Speaking of films on Peacock that are disappointing, and Robert Robert Rodriguez, who is also pretty disappointing. I checked out Hypnotic, the new Ben Affleck film, and I'll give it that it starts off cliched as fuck, and it actually gets more complicated as it goes on. I'm kind of like, okay, but I rated it like a six on IMDb, and apparently I was generous. So I, I cannot <laughs> recommend it. And, and one of the main things I was thinking as I watched the film is like, man, Ben, you're a big star, but you cannot stumble like this too many times at, at this point in your career. Like, that, you know, it's just with Batman. And- He's on fire. Live by night. That was That was it. He's 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 and no one lasts you know no one's on top forever and I'm not gonna give up on the man by any stretch but uh, then I bored myself with Run Rabbit Run you know we talked about uh, what's her name from uh, I don't watch it the show that's not Billions that you like Mike <laughs> Succession Succession yeah um, yes. she was also in Predestination Sarah Sarah Snook Snook so that's why I was yeah, going, that that's why, yeah that's why I watched it she's in a horror film but it was really fucking slow I I <sighs> couldn't couldn't pay attention. On a bit of a Paul Schrader kick, apparently, I checked out 1979's Hardcore. You know, this is a movie that uh, has been on my radar since 8mm came out, and people compared it to that. I think it's on Tubi right now. And I was just kind of going through Tubi, and I'm like, what do we got here? And it was like, it was super late at night. I texted my buddy Dan. I'm like, I'm watching Hardcore. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? It's like a Saturday night. You throw on Hardcore? Like, yeah, that's what I did. <laughs> George and? C. Scott is outstanding, as oh, always. Paul Schrader, it's fun to watch him at that uh, point of his career because he's, you know, I don't think it's like the first thing he directed, but it's still very early as he's finding his footing. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed yeah. it. It was it was pretty good. It was very much felt like um, cinephile homework in some ways. You know what I mean? But mm. uh, it's definitely worth catching. Do you see Blue Collar yet, Travis? Oh yeah, we uh, Mike turned me onto that, or Luke did, mm. or both. Loved it. Sounds like Luke. I think it was. I think Luke no, turned Mike onto it. Yeah. Oh, my no, no. Okay. No. Right. You're the, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Okay. He's standing firm. Uh, I want to make it clear. I saw Blue Collar in my Michigan. Uh, huh? African-Americans in film class that's when I went right. to the University of Michigan. That's... And uh, it was focused on Detroit, and I loved it. Yeah. And you're a big Yefit Koto fan also. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't talked about him in a while. Um, Maybe not as big as Luke, though. I'll give Luke credit on that one. <laughs> Check out the Pope's Exorcist from, from this year. You know, uh, <laughs> I heard good things. I'm sorry. You know, the, way too much CGI. <laughs> a, another fucking possession movie where like the there's like the black wrinkles under their oh, eyes. It's just go. like, oh, God. If, if this had not been such a CGI fest, I would have really liked it. Um, and, I, and I liked it enough that there's already a sequel in the works, and I'll, I'll watch it. <laughs> I'll watch it. Who am I kidding? It was it was worth checking out. It wasn't fantastic, but it, it was worth checking out. Pope's Exorcist. But uh, the big, oh, the big uh, oh, you know, actually two more here. I checked out Pavements, the documentary Slow Century from 2002. It's been on YouTube. I don't It's so weird that it took me so long to finally watch this fucking documentary, but it also didn't really floor me. I mean, I don't know. Wow. It, it felt mid-career, even though it was like at the end of their career, but then they came back. Uh, but you definitely got a lot of background about Gary Young as a drummer and how Bob, uh, Bob Nastanovich joined. You got some, you know, some stuff that I already knew, but it's fun to hear it from the horses' mouths. But lastly, the big takeaway for me, the 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 blow everything else out of the water movie this week for me. I talked about last week how I'd never seen the Chadwick Boseman film Forty Two. I finally watched Forty Two, and holy shit, Chadwick Boseman and Harrison Ford are just so top of their game in this movie. I really loved it. Fantastic. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah it's this the, was good for it, man. The, the Jackie Robinson story, 2013. It's fucking That's awesome. Right. Fording it in, Harrison Ford. No. This is this was this is solid for this was like 
If this Damn. was a bigger movie, I could have seen him getting the nod. I could have seen yeah, him come. Come on, this is going th- too far. Uh, it's pretty good, dude. It's not. He's yeah. he's not just playing straight up. Hey, I'm Harrison Ford again. Like there's no. <laughs> Nope. He's not. He's playing Branch Rickey, a very yeah. famous person who gave Jackie his opportunity. And uh, yeah, that's that's a character, right? Yeah, and it's a big deal. It, I completely agree. And the fact that you don't give a shit about baseball, I think, gives it a lot more credence. Because I really thought, I think it was like my opinion even then that oh wow, this is like the final solid Harrison Ford performance. So, I'm, I mean, I love the stuff he's been doing of late, like uh, Shrinking, for instance. Which is oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, and I, be honest, did it get you a little bit excited for baseball? For ba- no, <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, it made me really? excited for Chadwick Boseman. No. And uh... no, 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 no. <laughs> wrong pod. <five. laughs> no. Uh, yeah, so definitely worth checking out. I'll have to watch Marshall next, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So we covered that last week. Couldn't I had no idea what it was until it popped in my brain. If you right. missed last week's show, check it out. We had a good time doing To Die For. Uh, Eric, you're on the board. I did watch To Die For before I had to bow out. Oh, for, uh, what's the bottom line? Reasons. Um, Yeah, I'm really glad I wasn't on that pod because it would have been a very stressful show for me. <laughs> pod terror? It didn't hold up, man. I was what? fucking bored. I was oh. fucking bored. I thought it was surface level. Media is bad. Trite. Trash. <laughs> I was That's like, ridiculous. who cares? I was like, all right. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I remember loving this movie, Michael, because I had first seen it like five years ago. But when I watched it, I was like, I, it, was like it was like surface level. Like, oh, I, I, I wasn't feeling it at all. At, at, I mean, at all. Right. I was creeped out by Gus Van Sant's weird camera shots of like a twenty-year-old Joaquin Phoenix. I was like, "What? What is this?" Classic '90s soundtrack, like heavy metal, and like, gross people. Yeah. I like that girl <laughs> that played Lydia, but other than that, I was like, and Nicole Kidman was good, and like every single like, like Margot Robbie like just watched that before she filmed Itania and was like, "Okay, I'll just do that." <laughs> it <was> like, <laughs> so like that was a milestone performance, but like other than that, I was like, "This isn't really saying much. It's very, it's very surfacey." Wow. Well, yeah, I mean, that was that. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I made kind of the I same point. Say that. No, it's okay. I mean, I made like, the same there point. Was, like, like, the scene where she, like, like the actual real scene that wasn't just, like, fucking, like, winking at me when Nicole Kidman, when she come, Lydia comes to her door and Nicole Kidman is like, get the fuck out of here. Like, it felt so real and it was so emotional. I was like, oh, man, I want more of this. And they're like, no, you're not getting any more of that. We're going to keep winking at the audience. But, yeah, I don't know. I wasn't feeling it. Grey Gardens. You guys ever watch Grey Gardens, that documentary? Never saw it. Turn it on once and we're like, eh, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> you got to see this. It's 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 like, uh, especially if you're like interested in like document documentaries as like a like a like this would be like a perfect thing to put on like a do- like how can documentaries go wrong? While it's super entertaining, it's like the most exploitive documentary about people with mental illness you'll ever see in your entire life so there's a lot of lessons to be learned from it it's super entertaining but it's like such a dangerous precarious uh irresponsible documentary that Mm. it has to be seen um so yeah um yeah other than a bunch of seasons of hoarders on a and e i hit play on the flash mike Oh, you did! Wait, wait, hang on. Yeah, I got it back yesterday. up here. You, you didn't appreciate the exploitive documentarian nature of Grey Gardens, so I you did. watched seasons. I did. Well, you, <laughs> I did appreciate, did appreciate it, but I, but I knew it was exploitive. <laughs> and yes, I did watch seasons of a documentary film crew being in hoarders' homes, pointing the cameras okay, at them while they shit in bags and threw them in their yard. Cool. Wow. But uh, yeah, yeah. It Sounds was fun. Emotionally cleansing for what I was going through at the time. <laughs> okay, that's good. Um, the Flash, Mike. I don't know. I don't know where to start here. CGI. Well, all three of us have seen it, so we can talk about it. If you don't want to hear about the Flash, I'd like to. I want to get a little detail here, so skip ahead now. CGI yeah, faces. It was fucking horrible. I was babies. pissed. I th- the babies. I literally threw something at the TV. <laughs> they put a baby in the mic in the microwave in a PG thirteen summer blockbuster and thought it was okay. But the CGI was terrible. I didn't even give a shit about the fact that he's trying to save the baby. Maybe a microwave's not an ideal choice, but it was awful CGI. It was horrendous on that like, specific scene. I was like watching Roger, Roger Rabbit. It's like watching a human interact with like these cartoons. <laughs> 
I have, I have so many problems with this film. And what Michael about Ke- Michael, Michael Keaton? Keaton's Batman Returns, only to die twice and have his entire journey be pointless. Like he lost twice. Yeah. He lost twice. Yeah. His world blown up. Yeah, it's Supergirl fine. pointless. Her world blew up. She fine. failed. Stakes are, stakes are just erased. Uh, stakes erased. Left and right. Yep. Um, Poor man's Justin Long. Ezra Miller does not do it for me <laughs> again as the Flash. Oh, isn't Justin Long already like a poor man's? I don't know, Toby McGuire. <laughs> <laughs> I was wow. I wasn't even pissed. I was just like, it's over. I mean, it kind of sound. It, I'm, I hate to say it, and I don't want to spur anything, but it was. It, it felt like the death knell of the superhero genre for me, for sure. Oh, really? I guess I have to shut it down then. Yeah, shut you down, Jan. Shut you down, Jan. I gotta say, man. Uh, seeing Keaton, it didn't. I didn't get that excited about it at all for some at reason. All. I know. At, at Why all. is that? At all. Because they did what they do every single fucking time. Let's bring him back. But we're going to write him as an old, jaded failure that has to get himself out of the fucking gutter only to die at the end. <laughs> like they do to every fucking goddamn <laughs> legacy character they keep bringing back 30 years later. <laughs> I think also uh, it, did, like, it just didn't feel like that batman it didn't feel like the batman no, from night he would never do that i mean it, it was the same house it was the same car it was the same actor it's all this shit but yep. it just did not it felt like michael keaton playing batman but not that batman. <laughs> yeah that's maybe what it is maybe that's exactly what it is i just, it just shows up and he's there and he's the old batman which i fine i get that that's a storyline in the batman uh lexicon but sure. uh, i just felt no emotions or excitement, and seeing him doing his old—I mean, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Why? Seriously, that's so that's sad. Like Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon skit horse shit. Yeah, have him say five of his old lines again. It's like a Super Bowl commercial. <laughs> Fucking stupid. Jimmy Fallon horse. That's great. That's a real. That's an excellent analogy. That's totally true. Yeah, I just—I thought it was a. Some people said it was like one of the most emotional comic book movies they'd ever seen, and I just didn't get that at all. I, I was not seeing that. It didn't even bother me that Ezra Miller is all fucked up in real life. Like, it, I honestly, like, I just, I, I can keep that out of the movie and watch it for what it was. It just yeah. wasn't that, eh. It was but, like, like, bearing in mind, I mean, like, I could mostly keep it out, right? The, the, the fuck up that he's kind of become. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for it to be like, okay, we got this movie riding on this this star who has had like a big uh, breakdown in public and just dragged through the mud and like all this stuff. Like, well, yeah. good thing there's, he's playing two fucking versions of himself in this movie. So we get a double <laughs> dose of this Three. asshole. Three. <laughs> Three. Oh, it's you're right. True. That's even yeah, worse. I can get past it too. It's just, why does, why does every, like, why does everything have to be a fucking joke? Why is, why is there so much bickering and so many quips? Why does everything have to be a fucking joke? These these movies didn't used to be straight comedies. That's why, that's why the Batman, the Batman, was so good in part. Can't wait, March twenty twenty four. Cameras are gonna roll. Cannot fucking wait. It's fantastic. Can't wait. I will say, I really, it was limited, but I loved the Supergirl character in this movie. I mean, the movie sucked, but pointless. Blink, I loved her. It? Yeah, that's fair. But the, she got opportunity. She goes head to head against Zod. That was cool, and I loved her suit, and I just liked her. It was kind of like a. I like the way they set up the suit and made her a bit androgynous, but like a badass with power, but wasn't... It was like a mix, and I appreciated that. I thought it was cool. I really th- want to give her credit for that. Fair it's enough. too bad she's in a shit movie, so... Yeah. Yeah. All right. Mike, what about you, man? I'm sorry to go on so long about the flag. Well, you know, society's got issues. We can't change that, society. but in today's... I'm pissed. In today, <laughs> I'm pissed. <laughs> Batman 89 is my all-time favorite movie. I've been waiting 30... 30- Two years for this. Right. And then we get old man fucking around with spaghetti, and then he dies, and it's over. <laughs> yeah. The right. multiverse is spaghetti. That's right. right. That is a review for IMDb. That's a, that's a good one-sentence <laughs> review. <laughs> um, boy, wait a minute. I guess it, well, there's a lot of stuff I can't talk about, so I'm going to have to Ooh. keep it sealed. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah. Secrecy on Cinema Shit. Night? I can't talk about any of these. Yeah. They're all coming back? I, I I would like to, yeah. I All think right. I would. All I right. really do. All of these really? films that I'm looking at that I've recently watched. Um, <laughs> okay. I was trying to think really? if I forgot something last week because I was, I felt like maybe I didn't mention something while me and Travis did the show, and I want to make sure I get it on the record. And uh, nothing coming by, so Come we can on. just move on. That's All fine, right? right? All right. Yeah. Big Big woo-hoo. Pharma doc on Netflix. You didn't see that? Shit? I know, but they already did Dope Sick so well. It's like 
I'm down with like the continued absolute <laughs> destruction and shitting on of the Sackler family for what they did. And it's great. I'm sure it's a good, a good show. I'm just, I guess I'm just not as motivated, even though I, uh, you know, lost part of my own life to the opioid experience. It's even I'm like, okay, dope sick was so stellar with Michael Keaton. Speaking of him, he was outstanding in that show and it was so well done that it's like, oh. can they top that? Michael, I got to say, I did try Only Murders in the Building. I'm oh, like, yeah. Right, what's, what's, what's going on here? What's going on here? I watched an episode. Martin Short was fantastic. Yeah. But only in like his dramatic moments. Like when they were all trying to be funny, everything <laughs> fell flat. But like Martin Short has moments where he's like being dramatic. I'm like, this is fucking great. And all the jokes are falling <laughs> flat. So I'm like, I'm out. I sure enjoyed that first season, but it wears out its welcome pretty quick. I agree. Concur. Uh, here's the one other movie I forgot. I, we mentioned The Flash, which I did see. Uh, I think I actually paid for it, too, by the way. So. Uh, sad. Uh, I watched 80 for Brady. Have you guys seen this? You I have. This? What? what? Yeah, I watched it. What? Wait, what? You both watched 80 for Brady. I watched ah! 80 for Brady. What? Dude, what it's, think? Got, it's got Sally Field in it. It's got Rita Moreno in it. It's got uh, Jane Fonda in it. And it's got oh. the great Lily Tomlin Tom in Lee. it. I mean, this is why would I not watch this movie? How come you haven't watched this movie is a better question. <laughs> how would I not watch this movie? I think he's kind of right, Eric. How have I not watched the 80-year-old women go to a football game movie? I'm not sure, Travis. I'm scratching my head on this one. 80, we're talking four classic actresses. Actresses of their... Absolute highest order. So Academy Award winners. Yeah. Some of the best, the funniest. Starring Tom Brady. No, it's not. It's Tom Brady's like a side character. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's a side character. Yeah. yeah, it's like, it, it called 80 for Brady, but it's totally just about four old women it wasn't trying great. on an adventure. It wasn't great. It wasn't Let's... great. No, it wasn't great. No, <laughs> no, you're right. No, but I, I I do feel justified in watching the film. I mean, it was entertaining. It was like a Sunday afternoon, walk out of yeah. the room, don't press pause kind of movie. It was fine. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's a great terms. summation. Beautiful <laughs> summation. 80 for Brady. If you're hungover and depressed on a Sunday, throw it on and you won't turn it off. That's yeah, fine. Pretty I, much I it. also have to say, I am kind of pissed filming this, uh, recording this pod right now because upstairs, as I record this, my wife is watching Hard Lessons starring Denzel Washington. This is the George McKenna story, 1986 biography about the, the, the fucking guy who went to yet another preparatory high school in south la oh. to whip them into shape i'll watch any <laughs> anytime there's a movie anytime there's a movie where the fucking high school is being overrun by delinquents and the guys got to get in there and get it together i love them so much uh. i can't believe i'm missing out on hard lessons <laughs> too close to life i avoid them i got a great uh trying to whip him into shape movie that i God, watched that i'm gonna bring in yeah i can't oh, okay. wait to do another it. one Right. Yeah, another one. All <laughs> that, right. That I didn't just mention. Substitute? Okay. We're going to do the substitute? No, no. That's oh, I know what substitute it is. Substitute two? Half Nelson? I almost did it. I have did, no. almost did it myself. Half Nelson's boring as hell. No, I didn't like uh, that. Half Nelson was well, that's what, That was my original experience, yeah. Even though I love Fleck and Bowden. Yeah, All right, anyways, let's get to it. Uh, <laughs> we decided to focus in on the main movie that maybe only the three of us yep. watched. I don't yeah. know if... <laughs> like... You know, The Good Girl, there's a lot of searches on YouTube for a lot more than some of the other movies we've done. So you never know. Maybe people will see that we're doing Search and Destroy, and that alone will get subs and the views on YouTube. Because they'll be like, oh, I'm trying to find this movie. Here it is. Nope, right. it's not the movie. It's just us. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> David Sal finally gets makes a profit based <laughs> on our show. No, I, I don't think that's happening. But, you know, Travis, I think it's fair to say maybe you kind of picked it on a whim. We were in a moment. and I like that. I think it's fun that you did that. Yeah. And I'm glad you chose this movie. So tell us about the first time you saw Search and Destroy. Eric just ran upstairs and watched Hard Lessons. Yeah, um, <laughs> I can't blame him. He's like, fuck this. I'm not talking about this movie. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, um, this is one that, so it came out in 1995, and I saw the preview somewhere, you know, Vidmark Entertainment or some shit. Uh, Vidmark! Because it, it was definitely direct-to-video, or at least, you know, maybe a limited theatrical release or something. But And at, not, at that age, easy sell, you know? I mean, I knew who, I knew who Griffin Dunn was because of... Um, I want to say, was it Desperately Seeking Susan that he was in, or was it the other one? I think Madonna? he was. Um, I he, think was in, he was. He was in one of those two Madonna movies. I think it was Desperately Seeking Susan, and I watched that one quite a bit, and he was in some other stuff. Um, but the real obvious it was Christopher Walken and Dennis Hopper. You know, I was like, oh, and John Turturro. I mean, I was already a big John Turturro at that fan, at that age because um, Martin Fink and Miller's Crossing were both huge. And D Dennis Hopper, no fucking brainer. 
and and Christopher Walken. So you put those three guys in a movie, yeah, I'm gonna watch that shit. So I so I rented it, and it was one of those movies that, uh, yeah, never hear anyone else talk about, never never heard anyone other than myself bring it up in conversation. It's just one of those ones. And so since you brought it up in conversation, I was like, well, fuck it. You haven't seen it. I don't know if Eric has. Let's let's do it. By the way, it was Who's That Girl? So it was not Desperately Seeking It was Seeking the other Susan. one. Yeah. It yeah, was the okay. other one, yeah, which so has a 4.8 actually, rating uh, on IMDb. I actually watched that one quite a bit as a kid. Yeah. I, I wouldn't yeah. think it's good now, though. I missed Who's That Girl. Definitely saw Desperately Seeking Susan many times, but yeah, not that Who's one That too, Girl. But I, so, I don't know. Uh, and, of course, Griffin Dunn was in After Hours. That's for fun. Uh Mm-hmm. What about you, Eric? Did you ever see Search Destroy? No story, so we can move on. I refer to this uh, as the Travis Roy "Let It Ride" factor, mm. where there's a movie that exists <laughs> that I only know that it exists because Travis Roy has seen it a million times. <laughs> "Let It Ride" is one of them with Dick Dreyfus yeah. and Search and Destroy. The only thing I know about this movie is, oh yeah, Search and Destroy is one of my favorite movies. Travis Roy, quote. Prayer of the Roller Boys. Other than that. Yeah, Brother the Robo. Other than that, yeah, had no clue what it was about. I even, and I am really sorry for not taking you up on this recommendation. The multiple, multiple times you've uh, requested me to watch it, Travis. <laughs> but when I would look at the cover box, I just see like, you know, like the the boxes with like Christopher Walken, slick black hair. I'm like another mid '90s like crime comedy. I can't. I can't. I'm not interested. I haven't heard anything. I'm not interested. I can't do it. Oh. All right, you well, did you did it. Yeah, you did it. <laughs> uh, I did it via that MPV or whatever the fuck you sent last my night. My beautiful copy that I've had now for about seven years. Yeah, I've had it for a long time. Uh, I did not see this movie. I never have any background on it, so I dove in, and I watched it for the first time. Uh, I had to be rating on this one. Mm. I'm going to guess low. Oh. I mean, this is, I, I, would, I, would, I don't think it has a lot of views, and I don't think that a lot of people that saw it liked it. Uh, I loved it. I'm, I'm putting that out. There. I mean, I already said that last episode. I, I love this movie, um, but I, and I think that there's going to be a few people that love this movie, but I think the majority don't. So I'll say five point nine. Eric, when it's not available and there's no information about a possible Blu-ray release, you're in trouble. <laughs> I'm going to say six point two. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I thought I thought it was like a six point four, but no, it's a uh, it's five point three. Yeah, five point three. Oh, so, this could be the lowest. No, well, the Annihilators. It's always the Annihilators. And I'll tell you what. Fact, well, wait, but the Annihilators wasn't Which rated IMDb five for five of us. Remember that? <laughs> oh, okay. Remember Annihilators wasn't even rated IMDb. It only had a Rotten Tomatoes review. Well, and Blood Diner was lower than this, I think. Ah, well. We all like that. The uh, Search way. and Destroy that is on Amazon, the the action flick that looks really shitty. That's three point eight or something. Yeah, that's like three point five or three point <laughs> eight or something. So it's better than that. It beat the other Search and Destroy. And it, of course, I got to bring it up during the show. Uh, you know, Metallica Seek and Destroy comes in my Absolutely. mind every time I hear that. So um, kill them all. Kill them all. Classic. Love it. Thirty three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. That's <laughs> that's not cool, man. Not wow, great. that's low. That's yeah. okay. Forty one percent from the audience. Again, uh, not a lot of excitement. Um, you owe the state of Florida one hundred fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, we got a uh, classic Martin Scorsese acting. Whether it's Marty. quiz show or this, you know, where he shows up and he's just dead serious. He's never gonna crack a joke on screen ever. So. <laughs> Close up on my hand. <laughs> we got so on the Rotten Tomatoes page. There's one guy who actually wrote something here. The rest <laughs> are just splats, and it's right. Emmanuel Levy from Variety. Okay. Yeah. Um, artist David Sal makes a disappointing feature debut <laughs> with a misconceived mm. satire that poorly directed and is not much helped by a dream cast of eccentric indie actors. It is a dream cast. Of eccentric Ooh, dream. By the way, Gary Wright, Dreamweaver, died this Gary week. Gary Wright, yeah. R.I.P. All right, so long. Another celebrity death. Put it right. in the bucket. Uh, okay, so that's it for reviews. Search and Destroy is a film that is a, about self-help. You know, this is about Dennis Hopper is this guy, this doctor who might be a total scumbag. Uh, he might be actually clever he might not be onto something but all i know is that griffin dunn's character martin markheim or whatever the fuck his name is martin markheim yeah martin Martin. markheim is very much a fan of this fucking 
Yeah, for, yeah, that's right. Of course, uh, of many different uh, failed ventures. Different yeah, you get Rosanna. Yeah, he's this guy who struggles. He he's apparently like blows all of his ex-wife's brother's cash, or maybe she had a bunch of money from the brother that's wealthy. By the way, the brother was like a guy I've seen in two other movies. Alpha Dog was one that came to mind, and mm-hmm. I couldn't think of any others. But yeah, it's about it's about a guy who's like obsessed with self-help. That's how I saw this too. Daniel Strong. Daniel Strong. That's that's what he's obsessed <laughs> with. <laughs> yeah, you got these cutaways to Daniel Strong's uh, trials. With, you know, there's like set up like it's fucking moonlight, like the one, two, and three, and four. But um, <laughs> it's not moonlight, that's for sure. <laughs> or is it? Oh. So, oh, yeah, it, um, it definitely follows like the Daniel Strong adventure. It's kind of an adventure story. <laughs> you know, the, the critics hated it. They wanted me to join their little club intellectuals but uh, <laughs> that was a funny line i like that one <laughs> but uh it's yeah so he's and he's obsessed with that but he's in but he's also just like yeah dr walk dr waxing is a quack right i mean he, he, at one point he says like kick the homeless <laughs> you know and he's like yeah, make, oh, no, yeah. Make, make no apologies for anything whatsoever like he, he's a he's a fucking quack but he sounds inspirational enough people are plants I don't know what this means, but he sounds inspirational enough. And it sounds like when he was much younger, Daniel Strong came out like at one point, Kim says the best book when you're 19. Um, so it's, it's presumably he read it when he was pretty young. So, um, you know, so it's, it's probably, it was like the first thing to put waxing on the stage. And so he, even he's, so now he's like at the end of his career, he's like a 3am fucking uh, public TV guy. And he he's at you know he's at the tail end of things he's like clamoring everyone's this is a movie about legacy I think in a lot of ways too, mm. and he's clamoring for like some sort of reason to be important and then this guy shows up, uh, is gonna make his movie and uh, but first he has to make a horror movie, it's convoluted, and I love how finally someone comes along that understands me. But I'm not doing it unless you can option it for like hundred thousand. He wants five hundred thousand dollars, and he takes a hundred thousand at the end. It's a little steep. Well, what's a reasonable yeah. number? Yeah, <laughs> he's not sure. At least this is new. I, re- I did really like those scenes, like this, like this philosophical evangelist that just kind of pops up and people watch. Yeah. <laughs> what about you know, the intro to this movie? It's weird. Yeah, he's like talking and they give you no context you're like okay what's going on it's yeah. really a strange bizarre opening forget like the whole just whatever it is a pool with a, a life raft there forget that yeah, i'm talking about like that, after that you get daniel strong for half a second yeah but that the waxing uh monologue there which i still apparently have like memorized almost completely i was able to i didn't wow. really even know that i knew it it's been it's been a while since i watched it I'm surprised you haven't plugged that into like a Johnny Hero song or something. <laughs> <laughs> Straight things, no excuse. Huh? Huh? things, no excuse. <laughs> so, by the way, Kim is Christopher Walken's character uh, yes. who just shows up at a party and gives uh, the, the Roseanne Arquette's brother's business partner cocaine. Is you that spread a lovely buffet. Yeah, oh yeah, buffet. That is the one buffet. thing I was saving that for the end. God oh, it. sorry, buddy. I've got it in front of me. Sorry, I, 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 I guess, not in your home. I don't know what you're. There's a are. lot of lines of this movie. It's pretty quotable. I got to yeah. say, I I wrote down a lot. I wrote a. Uh, why do you lie so much? Like she's just like, why do you lie so that. much? She just she doesn't even like broach calling him out. She just goes right into that. And he That's asks, hilarious. Like, does, does that bother you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never stop talking. Be quiet. Like he really. And it dawned upon me when she says that. Ileana Douglas says that to Griffin yeah. Dunn. Like, yeah, oh my god, this guy he can't sit in silence because he's just talking through like the whole first half hour of the film nonstop. Always, always selling something. And yeah. that, all, that same scene has one of my favorite lines, I think maybe in film, honestly. Believing in things is embarrassing. <gasps> Everybody sees that you're different. It's great. It's a great line. <laughs> okay. Wow, in film. Yeah, Eric's done. Um, also, <laughs> uh, I said buffet. We covered that one. Um, it was and, spread a oh, lovely buffet. L- let's talk business. Can we talk business? <laughs> <laughs> He's all handcuffed there. First of all, mom. <laughs> yes, Wait, Griffin Dunn loses it a couple times in this movie, several oh, yeah. times in this film. And the first time is early on in the bedroom after they come out of the Martin Scorsese tax nightmare interview. And <laughs> he gets so pissed off because Rosanna Arquette's about things and he's talking about his deeds. I'm talking, I'm talking about, about deeds. deeds. <laughs> he's so intense. Know, he's so impassioned, pretty- but he's such a fucking 
idiot. Like he's sitting there talking to this tax assessor, and he's like, "I don't have, I don't have time for these little things I'm like paying taxes. I don't have time for this. Like, I am an artist. I am like a motivator. Like, it's, it's just like, no, dude, you're not above everything because of your fucking ego. Uh, but yeah. he's so self assured that he will just bulldoze himself into the reality that he wants for himself, which is something. By the way, uh, Prime Roseanne Arquette, gosh, she was gorgeous. I'm just saying. So. All right. What else can you say? Well, I would have liked. I thought she was going to be in more of the movie, and she wasn't. <laughs> yeah, her with a couple of other people and plot points. Just they're introduced and then they're gone, which works in a play. Yeah, it is, yeah, I mean, it is a play. Like, there's always that thing where a stage play will will do things, and it's just character development that a movie will usually resolve, but a play doesn't have to. Yeah, I mean, it's worth mentioning that this is based on a play, and this this first-time director, I think only-time director, <laughs> is a painter. Like, he, yeah, he's a, he's a painter, and it kind of comes across. You have, like, the painting uh, cousin. You have these beautiful color palettes throughout the film. Uh, the that, geisha scene. Yes, the, the kabuki theater scene, when you get, like, the... the backlit green and red and blue of each character. I, I love that moment. I've always loved that moment. <laughs> Shoeshine boy. And if I never, never go to school. This by me, <laughs> Such a fucking stupid dude, song. Dude, just driving down the freeway, I'll just do that. I'll just do that my whole life. And like 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 Julian Schnabel, also like a painter filmmaker, like you get to have these like, dream casts when your movie like is kind of like a in my opinion, like a nothing movie that like says nothing. I don't know, man. Like for me, a lot of these like uh, scenes, these characters and stuff, it just kind of seems like this brilliant artist calling in. What kind of well, Scorsese is the power behind this, right? Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. he he made a lot of this happen and got getting the people to come around it because they heard his name, even right. if he's just the producer, right? He probably liked the play. And was able to, I mean, like obviously had a relationship with people like Griffin Dunn and, um, yeah, and, and and probably willed it into existence, it's just like Martin Merkheim is doing with his what he's doing, but um, yeah, it, it's very much it, it feels like a bit of a Hollywood jerk off, which is one of the things I've always liked about it. Mm. Uh, it it's not it's not like it's not trying to be. Um, this is an Oscar bait. This isn't trying to make money. This is solely just like, hey, let's get together and make some art, um, and and that that to me is is fun. You know, it's not fun. Uh, yeah, this, so Scorsese, I don't even care about that. But it's got, I mean, we're talking Ethan Hawks in there as Roger, the yeah. assistant. Ileana Douglas, back-to-back -back weeks of Ileana Douglas. Nice. Fun. 1995, no less. Same year, yes. That's fantastic. That's kind of how this movie <laughs> how ended up there. being picked. Yeah, yeah, that's how we got here. But I I really think that this movie, even if you think it's all over the place, it's it's got a lot of great dialogue. I, I love mm. the dialogue in this movie, I have to say. I, I found it to oh, be yeah. very entertaining and engaging. And even if some of these people are morons, I like watching people who don't have it figured out because that's what life is. None of us have it figured out, and we're trying to figure it out. Even if Kim... Christopher Walken's character, who's presented as this, you know, very chill Walken to start, of course. Like, he's just there in his suit, being chill, and he gets more maniacal as the movie wears on. And maybe some people might think, like, how it ends with him is just totally off the wall. But I don't think that's the case. <laughs> no. It builds up to it. No. It's, it, and the, the reason it isn't the case is because uh, Kim has read and has, in his heart, tried to understand Daniel yes. Strong. If he didn't know anything about that book, it would just be like Hitman comes in, shoots people, mid nineties yep. crime thriller. <laughs> but the the what the movie does that's interesting to me, maybe one of the only things, is talk about how some somebody can read one book, the same book, and have a completely different interpretation of it. Griffin Dunn takes on ambition, success and legacy. And Christopher Walken's character, mm -hmm. Kim, says, well, my life is meaningless. Why not have complete ambiguity and in your life nothing, and your morality? Right. Yeah. No, very good. And I, I agree. I think that's a huge thing that kind of dodged me in, in previous viewings, but I did pick up on this time. He says at one point that he, that he was afraid to be tested, right? And you can't have an adventure without a gun. Like, he's in, 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 like mm -hmm. he says, like, hey, I, I reread... Daniel Strong, it really holds up. And Griffin Dunn says, thank you. Like he fucking wrote it. But, um, but as soon as he, like yeah, he's already like kind of like this mercurial character. But then once the, he rereads the book, he slips off the edge. Mm. 
And there's this relationship between Kim and Totoro's character, which is like they've known each other. <laughs> oh, geez. I mean, yeah. yeah Ron? When Ron, Ron shows up in this movie, uh, you know, Griffin Dunn's Martin's I character win. gets. I get all the marbles. <laughs> that is why I love New York. With Dan Hedaya, no less. Just running around. I, doesn't say a word. Dan Hedaya is a tailor who says, please. I'm serious. He says, please. Did he say please? Yeah, oh, that's please. it. Okay. There was one single word. Holds up a tape measure. Again. Celebrated Another character. T- character. To Die For, Dan Hedaya, Ileana Douglas. This movie. I don't know yeah. what the connection was. Clearly there was one. Hey, I'm doing this stupid movie over here that Martin Scorsese is producing. You want to jump in? Uh, Yeah, I got 20 minutes. Yeah, I come on. Be the tailor. It. I would bet that that was it. Would... Yeah. Will Marty see it? Probably. <laughs> All right, I'm in. But I mean, you can't make when... an indie film in the 1990s without either Stanley Tucci, John Turturro, or Dan Hedaya, and you got two Alien out of three there, so that's pretty that, good. That is a really yeah. good point. I can't argue that. But when D- Ron comes into the scene, and there's this relationship between him and Kim. He's Kim introduces Martin to Ron to try to get this drug deal, which goes south of this random drug dealer who gets very... That's what they do on TV. (laughs) That's what they do on TV. And Martin is becoming more annoyed as this uh, segment of the film gets more ridiculous and uncertain because he, even though he's a total dipshit, he sees himself as like maybe even classy, actually. Like it's like this organized, classy businessman, and this is this is out of control now. Things have gone too haywire here, and I want to try to rein it in. Kim, can we rein it in here? Kim, can we, can we calm down? <laughs> yeah, he's trying to put things into some semblance of order. They're all running around in Armani suits, though, so that definitely ups the class factor. As does That's the fair. Elmer Bernstein score, which is very memorable for me. <laughs> oh shit! Here we go. I, I was convinced that someone was like, where's the score? We accidentally deleted it. All right, load up the Ghostbusters score right now. We, we need at least something. <laughs> it's Elmer Bernstein. Same score. Same score. It's, I mean, it's it's similar the way that John Williams stuff is similar or Danny Elfman's stuff is similar. I'll give you that. The score was fucking fantastic. I didn't catch it. Was it? I didn't catch it. Was, was the movie deserving of it? I didn't catch it. Oh. It doesn't even ring a bell to me at all. Oh, really? No, I'm serious. No, I, I like... I did not. I did not it's, catch that fucking thing whatsoever. It's, it's so, so good. good. The recurring sting in particular is like the the, the motif. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and listen to it because I just yeah, completely I, missed it. It's, it's so I, good. I heard uh, you know Kim and Ron argue about 15 fucking years in on this guy. I don't even know if he's ever been laid. So. Butter wouldn't melt. <laughs> I make everyone sound like El Pacino. God damn it. <laughs> you be, yeah, right. You've been laid. What is, what's it like? Tell me. Yeah. <laughs> Look what I done, I, or look what I did, <laughs> or look what I've done. He says after he kills him, and as soon as Dunn, as soon as Dunn or Martin hears the shot, like there's this weird disconnect that takes place because like he clearly hears the shot, and he knows that that Kim has shot Ron, and he immediately goes to him and is like, hey, we gotta get the fuck out of here. Like we hey, gotta, can I get a ride. And it's like this instant break in reality, and like this, like this, he's just like dissociating like instantly, and yep. he pretty much is for the for almost the rest of the movie until Marie saves him by by clocking Kim over the back of the head and then Kim is in such a fucking state that he doesn't even try and then he gets beaten to death. Yeah, it's like I'm done. I think that I think that kind of uh harpoons a really good point about selfishness mm-hmm. or selflessness in the film. Um because yeah, throughout the entire film, it, it, Martin is just this selfish little shrew yeah. that I wanted to just like either shove or straight out punch <laughs> in the face. But we get these these moments that kind of scaffold on each other about friendship and partnership that kind of slowly build him into an interesting character. I wish he was interesting to begin with. He's not for me. He's just a little prick dipshit. Yes. But by the end, I'm like, I kind of, I don't know if I like him, but I understand yeah. him. When he gives Ileana that that hug, I'm like, ooh, that's kind of hit me in the face. Or it, by the very end, when he's like clearly like a fully realized, developed character, as Marie would say, where he's, he's got the full goatee now, he's got the cashmere sweater, he's got the, the classy cane because he's made lemonade out of his lemons. Yeah. Like, like yeah. you do, you really watch this guy go from like a, a fucking con man, a jabbering con man to becoming who he wants to be. And it really is because of Waxling's teachings, despite Waxling, who is a shitbag. <laughs> shine boy, yeah. Yeah. go to school. Forget the golden rule. I actually think, by the way, that Keith Ledger was a huge fan of this movie. Why? I swear. Because when Griffin Dunn kills Kim and he goes, look at me. I got, I immediately oh. thought of Heath Ledger in that. It was like almost verbatim oh. in the cadence too. I, I can never prove this. I, I don't know if he's ever been on the record talking about it, but it, I immediately thought the Joker character scene from 
Dark Knight. And while we're in that moment, I do I do love. Here's what I know. I'm stronger than you. And it's like, yes. no, you're not, because he just shot you, and he could have he could have killed you anyways. You know, like like it could have easily gone either way. He, you're not stronger than him. But like he, again, he's he, self discovery doesn't have right. to be true. He's building his own I mean? mythos throughout the entire film. Yeah. Well, whatever. I wouldn't take my kid to uh, it. Is, <laughs> is Griffin done bagging groceries these days? Uh, he's he old, man. In, yeah, he got more into producing and that kind of stuff and directing as he got older. Uh, oh, wait. Look at this. Update he's, on he's, IMDb. He's number 406 on IMDb Pro Star Meter of the top 5,000 actors. He's number 406. What's Pretty he, good. What's he doing right now? Is he doing anything right now? Uh, or, I feel, or the last uh, thing he's, he's been out. He was on This Is Us. He was on that show. Wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> okay, well, I've tuned out a long time ago. Can Me only, too, yeah. Can only, like, cry for so many episodes in a row. I'm like, this hey, is he was manipulative. in The French Dispatch. He was in that as legal advisor. How yes, about that? Yes, he was. Uh, yes, yeah. he was. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's around. Can't even give him a he's name? Hanging. Yeah, talk about star-studded. Let's talk a little bit about um, this this playwright, this guy, David Sell. Okay, so it's only film. It, was it okay, his you play? You can. I thought he was doing someone else's play. He wrote the play, too? Thought he did. Let me effort that. Okay, no, I, I mean, yeah, I thought he was a painter know. and doing someone else's play. Oh. Uh-huh. I thought it was his play. I looked that up. I'm uh, double-checking that now. Keep talking, though. It is not him. It's Howard Corder wrote the play, and then Michael oh. Almereda wrote the screenplay. Yep, you're right. Yeah, that's fucking, that's fucking interesting. interesting, man. It um, is. Yeah, I mean... For many reasons, because like usually I can forgive a playwright for delivering an incredible screenplay, and if he wants to have a shot at directing, okay, cool. What happens, happens. But if you're coming out as an artist and a director, and you're doing things like this interesting montage where the train floats by, and it's like superimposed, oh, cool. Only going to do that once? And you're doing this one thing where there's colors behind the screen, and like you're getting some like an emotional color palette, but you only do it once? There's not enough there for me. But there's so much more than like the average film. And I feel like I mean, you're entitled to your opinion, but for but for me, like there's more there than the average film. And I feel like if they did that too much, it's only an hour and a half movie. If they did that too much, it would start to get like, okay, I get it. This is colorful. This is like I love when fucking Christopher Walken is singing and and tap dancing on that stage it's in like after that whole color palette moment with the kabuki theater it's so bizarre but if the whole movie was that then you got arizona dream and you know what we we don't need another arizona dream Uh, have you have you seen arizona dream it's like uh, it's just people it's it's just like chaos art and just like what's going on isn't this a weird scene isn't this a weird scene but look how pretty (laughs) it looks you know it's like you lose the thread i guess is where i'm going with that you can have something like jonathan parker's bartleby which is like so like sedimented in like art and like 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 I, I, I don't know. He does he he does something but it's it's just too yeah. little because like he does his own thing and yet he's borrowing from like eight heads in a duffel bag for like the other sixty percent. It's just not enough for me for, from this this guy who's supposed to be like this. Leave that was ninety six. And even <laughs> even that scene, like I'm watching that scene with Christopher Walken, I'm like, Oh man, good old Chris, he's doing his thing, he's tab dancing, he's singing yeah, I don't. What What are the motivations behind what Kim's doing? What are the motivations between uh, from what Ron's doing? I just Ron's on coke. I, the characters for me, they're fun, they're they're lively. The performances are good, but do I do I really care about these fucking people? Yeah, you're such a get, fucking tourist, man. Come on. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like you only you, you only they're like pretty secondary characters when you get down to it, especially Ron. Um, the, the main character is Martin Murkine. It's an hour and a half movie. The first act, the first thirty minutes, you do not get hardly. You get a little bit of Kim, um, and you and you start to get some Marie. But for he's like bouncing around with a bunch of different people throughout much of the film. He's like, it's Martin's movie, and yet and yet his wife doesn't come back. That he has to deal with all these obstacles they set up. They don't return. The tax lien doesn't come back to haunt him. His wife. <laughs> well, he gets come his credit card canceled. Him. He just kind of goes to the next step. His, and it's he gets like, his yeah, credit card canceled, and he can't fly home, and all that kind of stuff, right? I mean, that that's because of the tax stuff. Yeah, that's true. By the way, if you try to transition from Florida to Dallas, you just put up a shot of a windsock 
and then you're in Dallas. So I, I like that too. Uh, I love the blue I, wall though. The, the I do love the blue wall. The blue I hate wall. to cut this short, but uh, I like how he's like Dallas. I, what is that? Like I can leave. Can, if you, yeah. You're gonna brush off. You could, Dallas you could. But if you guys want to keep talking, you can. But I, I gotta go soon. I, I hate it. I mean, I've already gone over because. Oh shit. Yeah. Well, oh, I wanted oh, to get shit. our show in when you said you could do it. So I bumped. Is it safe? I made you guys priority. Um, but if you guys want to keep talking, you can. I can go. It's up to you. Uh, no, I think we, I mean, we could wrap up. Can you give us like three or four minutes to just go through our normal thing and wrap it up proper? Sure. Absolutely. Okay. So I will make my points here. Um, yeah. Uh, obviously, part of Kim's adventure involves getting caught, right? Like he's, he, he's driving 76 in a 55. He is completely all kinds of, with a with a corpse in the trunk. You know, he's like all kinds <laughs> of completely reckless. Um, he would have almost certainly killed Marie and... Um, and Martin, he is like, what is his motivation? He is someone who is just like some businessman who's like lived an empty, empty life and has, has just gone off the uh, gone off the rails. I mean, like this is before people used to pick up, you know, before people would pick up AK-47s and go to the Walmart or whatever. Um, he's he's essentially just like on this this psychological, uh, psych, you know, psychic, psychic break, psychological break. So, and then you have all these weird people converging and I, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I guess I don't need to hem and haw about it too much. I've already made my point that I love the film. I, I totally get anyone not loving it. I've always understood anyone not loving it, but I just wanted people to fucking see it before they made up their minds about it. Um, because I do think that it's, and, and, and maybe I'm, you know, I'm a little tainted on it because I, again, I saw it when I was fucking 15 years old. I had not seen a lot of films that I, appreciated as art for art's sake you know uh, so it always like had a special place in its heart for me and yeah i agree like so quotable there's so many fucking lines in this movie it's so funny to me uh and it honestly gets a little funnier every time i watch it i, I catch things that i did not catch before that make me laugh um so yeah holds up love it <laughs> eric uh, yeah me, yeah you I, buddy you. let's see what you say you're being awful mom in this episode, I don't think so. Michael. No, like take it away. Shoe shine boy. I gave it a shot. I gave it a shot. And I once again I apologize for turning you down over Not and the first over time you've and done over it. again on this recommendation. But I watched it. And I think the problem for me was from the get go, I didn't really like Martin. I didn't really care about him. So like everything he was going through, I was like, You're kind of like amusing, but like you're a little dipshit squeak <laughs> so i can't get on board this journey and all the characters came in with these weird unknown foggy motivations whereas i felt like i was looking at like a, a painter that wanted to make a film and since like all these famous people were like a fan of his they were like here's all the money we'll be in it regardless of what the product was so i have to agree with uh some of these scores we're seeing online with this is just kind of like a scattershot turgid kind of mire i wasn't feeling it man i wasn't I, there's some moments here and there but i wasn't really uh i wasn't feeling it this time mike what do you think dude it didn't, didn't hold, hold up, up. For me. all right well there are a lot of quotable lines in this movie and like i said i really enjoyed the dialogue i i like the story it doesn't have to make sense as long as it's entertaining and interesting and even if martin is a total scumbag of the highest order I found myself uh, wanting to follow him as he tries to make things happen. And that's really all you can ask for, I suppose. Like, I'm interested enough to see what Martin will do next because he's so up his own ass in his own head with his own ideas and his philosophies. Really, they're not his ideas at all. They're all Dr. Wexler's. Uh, Dennis Hopper, by the way, who uh, this is, I don't really like, I'm not a big fan of Dennis Hopper, by the way. We haven't really talked about that. Oh, yeah. There's a face being made here by Eric, but. I don't hate him or anything. I just, I don't think he's as legendary as maybe some would think, but he's really good in this film. He's rock solid. He does, he plays this character exactly the way it should be. And he you doesn't make it too- money, man. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yes, you are nothing. Yes, you're nothing here. Uh, he's not, he doesn't over hopper this one. It seems like he was like sober for this one or something. I don't know. Mm. I'm just saying. Uh, mm. Anyways, in the end, watching this film, Watching the characters, excellent actors. I mean, the whole cast is loaded with really good actors that I have enjoyed throughout my film-watching history. So I love this movie. I really did. <laughs> I love All this right. movie a lot, and it absolutely, to me, holds up, even if it makes no sense half the time or you're trying to, like, piece together the plot. I just I just awesome. had a ball with it, man. There's, like, 
I, I, there's so many lines that I enjoyed. Excellent script, at least dialogue-wise. Maybe awesome. not cohesion, but that's okay. So, all right, it's I, okay. I, I, I can. I, I, I think that's well put. I'm happy. I'm glad. I'm glad we did the movie too. That's why I wanted to do it because I thought it was worth talking about. So that's why I wanted to stay with it. I did. I. I I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that the the like the tagline of the film was a, uh, a screwball yes. tragedy. And that makes mm. so much it sense. It does. Yeah. Because it is like, it's fucking dramatic, and yet it's like ridiculous, and it's farcical. I mean, I don't know if I went in on the wrong moment, <laughs> but you know how fucked up my life is right now. Well, maybe someday no, we'll like it. Yeah, yeah, you didn't, if you didn't like it, you didn't I'll like it. That's fine. It. You don't, we're not all supposed to agree here. That's the point. That, that's so. true. That's very true. <laughs> yeah. And I, you, you, uh, you've finally seen it, at least. So yeah. So, yeah, we can move on from that. Yeah, that <laughs> hanging nightmare that has just cursed Eric's life for decades. Uh, Eric, are you up next week? Is that correct? <laughs> Lots of yeah, sleepless nights. Yeah. And you know what? I've been, I've been mulling this over. I've been. I've had a lot, so many sleepless nights where I wake up in a cold sweat. What do I do next week? What do I do? What's the right thing to do? And I think based on some of our conversations via text that I have to inject a wild card into the mix. Because if I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm worried. And it's it's going to be, it's going to be, um, it could, it could be, um, I don't know, detrimental <laughs> to the podcast, but we're going to see what happens. Because we're going, we're going back, man. We haven't gone back in a while. I don't know how often we've dipped into the seventies, but we're going back wow. into the seventies, man. I mean, I remember Soylent Green, about it. but that I mean that was a long time ago. And there's a film that uh, a really good friend of mine, Kevin, showed to me that when once I saw it and I never heard of it, it I could never shake it loose. I just could never shake it loose, and I haven't seen it since. And I want you guys to see it, and I'm interested in these opinions on it, man. Especially if you're a fan or even know the filmmaker Brian De Palma. Because nobody fucking talks about this movie at all. And it is a fucking game changer. From 1974, the film is called Phantom oh. of the Paradise. It's available, and it's got a huge cult following. And... uh. I'm interested to see yeah, what happens next see week. Yeah, there's a couple of De Palma movies from his earlier career I wanted to see, and this is one of them. So, all right, cool. Good cool. call. I think I truly do believe this is our second 70s film. I think I so. Think, I could think ridiculous. of anything else besides Soylent Green. Yeah. yeah. I thought you, you were going to say Star Wars for a minute, so I'm glad you didn't say that. So, yeah. I know. <laughs> it's, it's a bad joke. All right, well, that's what we're going to do then next week. Phantom of the Paradise. Brian De Palma. Eric's choice. Travis Roy, Michael Govier, Eric Branch from Cinema9Pod at gmail.com. Thanks for, uh, Joe, thanks for emailing the show, by the way. Joe. Glad you're aboard. We always like to have new people checking out the show. We'll catch you guys next time. You read that? My little offering? It's basically an adventure story. They trashed it, of course. <laughs> <laughs>